Joshua 14, we'll read verses 6 through 13. Then the children of Judah came into Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning me, and then Kadesh Barnea, forty years old was I, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of, my, the, heart of the people to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word to Moses. He's 85 years old. How, how many in here tonight are 85? That's what I thought. It's hard to get there. Tough. Some of you ought to set the goal. You've got to eat a lot of carrots to get there. And he said, Now, the end of verse 10, Lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. So my strength was then, even so it is my strength now, for war, both to go out and come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. I'm going to do something tonight that I've mocked others for doing. We've got to be careful the longer you live, the better chance you have of falling into a situation like this. We've talked about preachers that spend their time in church talking about their past week, but I'm going to do that tonight. Uh, we went to Carbondale, Colorado, spent a little bit of time with the Bowmans. I thank God for the few days that he gave us. Brother Bowman is 75 years old, dealing with cancer. And uh, many of you go back in time. Remember the Bowmans when they were in our Christian school years ago. And now uh, Charlotte is married a preacher. They started church in the Northwest. Chuck is in France, was in Vanuatu, started many churches over there. Uh, but it was a pleasure to be with them. And I couldn't be more grateful for men of God that he's put in my life over the years to look at that camp and the souls that have been saved, young people that have surrendered. And behind that camp is a uh, mountain, I believe its peak is 11,600, uh, uh, 700, David could correct me, uh, but an extremely steep mountain uh, that we were allowed to hunt there around the camp property. And uh, when we got there, talking to Chuck, said, well, have you seen any elk? He said, absolutely, let's go take a look. We drove up. To the marble quarry. How many of you have ever been up to the marble quarry? Uh, a handful of you. Yeah, I remember as a kid, uh, Dad would jeep up around those mountains, take us to the famous mill that many of you have seen pictures of. It sits not far behind Marble, Colorado. Uh, but we drove up there, and he pulled out the binoculars, and we looked up at the top of that peak. And uh, they had been catching sightings of a herd of about 20-plus elk, a couple bulls up there. And... Uh, I looked up at that mountain. Now, I, I, I grew up in Colorado. I've climbed mountains. We go to Brackenridge. I hike mountains. But I'd, I'd never been up a mountain quite like that. Uh, he said, well, if that's, you guys want to kill an elk, that's where you're parking. I need to go. So I changed my mind. <laughs> so we determined the next day to make the hike. Thankfully, 
he was filling up to it at a Jeep, and we, quite the expert jeeper there, and we begin to wind up that little trail. Now, for those of you who don't know what jeeping is in Colorado, it's a different level. Not like jeeping in Texas or jeeping that you see on television. I mean, that's the real deal. Uh, but we, we went up the side of that mountain until we couldn't get any farther up because of the snow on the road, and he stopped, said this is a good time uh, to get out. And, uh, but he said, here's the deal, and we get up to the snow, uh, the elk at the top of the mountain are going to be able to see you. Uh, what you're going to want to do is get over off into the pines and then uh, go up the side of the mountain in the pines. Now, this is a mountain. Mark, can you show us part of that mountain? Uh, this is the top. Looking down upon the other mountain, show us the incline here. A little bit of some of the inclines that we had to climb up uh, going up the mountain. So when we get out... Uh, that the whole mountain is basically straight up. So when he said, we'll hustle over to those pines and uh, hustle, uh, you, you don't have any oxygen. We're from Texas, you're at sea level, and suddenly you, you find yourself 10,000 feet up in the mountains. And uh, literally, uh, I, I know, everyone here, yeah, whatever, yada, 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 we'll take you sometime. We'll, we'll, t- we'll take you. Uh, I, now, here's the difference. Dave is a maniac. He's a machine, but he's also young. Now, I, I, I thought that I had the beast mode still in me. <laughs> this mountain took beast mode right out of me. So, I had told these guys, we woke up, Nate, big backpack, 14 bottles of water. Dave, backpack, he said, uh, so what are you taking? I said, I don't climb mountains with backpacks on. <laughs> uh, you don't need to drink. It, it, whatever goes in my pockets is what goes with me. I, I don't hike anywhere with backpacks. And, but not Nate. He's, he's going to take a backpack. Dave's going to take a backpack. And so we get out. We decide to uh, make our way up and over. And it wasn't, what do you think, Nate, 20 yards? Maybe max 20 yards. So to get out of the sight of those elk, we hurried over 20 yards uphill over to the pines. And literally when we got there, I just flopped over in the snow. I think that actually the proper verb is collapse. David was still standing. Nate's trying to free himself with those backpacks. And I thought, we're halfway up this mountain and 20 yards just killed me. Now, besides the cold weather and the boots and the coats and the layers is the lack of oxygen. Uh, you're, you're saying, I want that mountain, but when you get there, you're changing your mind. I'll, I'll be honest, I've hunted Alaska, I've hunted Montana, I've, I've just never quite had a mountain experience quite like this one. But we get up there and we, we begin making our way straight up the, the mountain, and I got a very, very bright idea. You know, God occasionally has revelation from heaven. If I've ever heard the Holy Spirit of God speak to me, it was right there on the top of that mountain. And uh, he said, Adam, don't be an idiot. And I said, I know. I've done this all my life. I've been an idiot. Help me. Save me from being an idiot. He said, Send David up to be the guide. Hey, David, why don't you run ahead of us? Here's what... He, Here's what I determined. When you're going up that mountain, you don't have energy or strength to waste. 
So when you're looking, you've been up on the mountain for the very first time, you don't know the ideal hunting spot, you don't know where the elk are exactly, you don't know what will blow your cover and what will cause them to see you. I don't want to get all the way up this mountain. You spend a day up there and then you suddenly scare the elk? It's called an idiot. I don't want to be an idiot. So, uh, Dave, why don't you run ahead of us? I didn't see Nate running ahead of us. <laughs> and, and he did, and, and Nate and I did the smart thing. You, you go up 20 yards, and then you break. And then you go up 20 yards, and you break. Not David. He's fleet of foot. And wandered up, scouted things out, and... Uh, you know, David kept lying to us all the way up. Yeah, like, if we go another 50 yards, there's an opening. We go 50. Oh, if we go up another 50 yards, there's another opening. Don't trust David on a mountain. Here's one of those things about when you get up on the top of a mountain, you keep thinking that the peak is not that far, but the more you climb, the farther away it gets. We got up to a place where we wanted to sit and, uh, finally sat down, but here's our vantage point. Go ahead and show the other picture there of us. You know, show the one you just had up on the screen a minute ago, uh, the one that we're looking down on uh, the other peaks in the mountains. It's absolutely gorgeous. Now, here's, here's what I want to consider tonight for just a few minutes. Caleb is 85 years old, and he still has vision. Now, here's what usually happens. 15-year-olds have vision, and 18-year-olds have vision, and I'm going to make money, and I'm going to marry a handsome man. And then they run out of choices because they realize not a f- there are not very many handsome men in this world, especially not in the Christian world. Very limited. And then they just reach a point, they just say, I want a man. And the 100 list requirements thrown out the window, just give me a breather. As long as oxygen is going through his body, just, yeah, that'll work. Meets the requirements. But they're dreaming, and, but the problem is, people by the time they're 45 or 50, they've been beaten up by life, and they've, they've stopped looking for mountains to conquer, and they're looking for a recliner to rest in. Amen. And especially, especially on the spiritual side. 85 years old. Now, here's what I told David. He's a little bit younger than I am. I don't know his exact age, but uh, Ashley, has David hit 40 yet? He's, he's hit 40. I hit 50. I told David, I said, look, 50 uh, is, is a different ball game. And uh, I, I used to feel differently about climbing these mountains. I don't feel the same about this one. This mountain was taking the manhood right out of me. <laughs> now, here's, here's what we got to do. We got to look forward and... You know what COVID did to some Christians? It took that, I want that next mountain. Now it's just, I just want to go into survival mode. I don't want to plan. I don't want to dream. I'm, you know, I don't want to reach a family. I'll just pass out a track. I don't want to set any spiritual goals. Don't give me that mountain. Find me a little hill or a little peak or even a valley will do. Christians have stopped dreaming. Caleb is 85 years old, and he's not naive. He said, I, I still want uh, to, to make an investment. We're talking about a mountain. Let's, let's go to the spiritual thing here. Let's talk about investment, because really, when we claim a mountain, we're claiming a spiritual investment. 
Now, here's, I, I did this in soul winning the other day to a small degree. I want to do it tonight because I just want to give you a visual. What are we talking about? Too often when preachers talk about, uh, metaphorically speaking, something we should do spiritually, we don't put it in practical terms. So I don't want you to leave here tonight saying, well, I want that mount. What are you talking about? That one? Here, here's the problem with these mounts. I, I doubt anybody in here tonight, anybody else, will ever climb Whitehead. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see the picture and say, yeah, whatever. You're never going to have the experience. To get up there on the top of that mountain and overlook Colorado, and no, I'm not on a Jeep road. Uh, I'm not where the general population has been. I'm sitting in a place where very few humans have ever been. Little access, the climb is too brutal, but I'm up here on the top of this mountain. When's the last time you did something spiritually that was challenging, that was difficult, that took some spiritual fortitude? We really get into coast mode. Now, here's, Nate, we got there. What do we see uh, up, up at Mount Road? Uh, there are hunters up there in their orange vests and binoculars. You know what they're looking at? Those elk. And then you ask them, so uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. See that herd up there. So what are you going to do? Ah, nothing. You know the majority of Christians are at the bottom? <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, no, no plans to climb the mountain or claim the mountain or shoot the elk. I, I don't want to take a risk. And some would say, the risk was too, Pastor, you, you went up there and I had some say, well, Pastor, I heard your hunt was unsuccessful. Oh, no, it wasn't. Not, for me, hunting is a different ballgame than for most people. It would have been unsuccessful had we gotten up there top and David popped an elk. I would have said, oh, my goodness, what do we do now? I hope you have a friend with a helicopter. Because <laughs> there's no way I'm getting this thing off the mountain. And unless you have a snowmobile, we're in trouble. Successful hunt to me. I was eating a lot of food, gaining a couple pounds. <laughs> Fellowshipping with the Bowmans, traveling with Nate and David. Jeremy, that, that's a successful hunt. Killing a 1,200-pound beast on that is not successful. That's stupid. <laughs> and I had Alec with me and Brad with me and Braden with me. Then killing a beast is not a problem. If you killed one of Nate's cows, would you want to do it next to the barn? Or on top of that hill? <laughs> Compare an elk and a cow as far as weight, there's not too much difference there. Now here's my point. We literally, we, our spiritual vision is no longer a mountain. Our spiritual vision now has become so small. God give us people, what, whatever happened to people say, I want to, I want to start a, a ministry. I want to start a bus route. I want to start a nursing home. I want to, that's non-existent in 2021. I, it's, I know our commitment. I know, you know, you can get people to help. You know, you cook a meal. You can get people to eat it. You, you but to really say, I want a mountain, 
I, I want to do something for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to do something I've never done before. I, I want to have a little bit of spiritual motivation in, in the midst of this. It's going to take a little bit of vision. And Caleb had an incredible vision, not naive. said, give me that. Caleb, are you an idiot? You're 85. You should have said, give me a recliner. Give me a home in the valley. Give me a coffee shop or a library to run. And you're asking for a mountain? That's called incredible vision. Now, here's the good thing about a mountain. It's, it's, you know the thing about Nate and I going up there with, with Dave? We didn't have to climb that mountain as fast as David did. Aren't you glad you don't have to climb as fast as someone else? I don't have to work at the same spiritual speed as every other pastor under the sun. I got to be me. I want to work as hard as possible. But at the end of the day, I wasn't trying to keep up with Dave. I was trying to wear him out and send him ahead. <laughs> Show us a picture there of Dave at the top of that mountain. There he is. Does he look happy to be at the top? <laughs> what is his face telling you? I'm hunting up here. Have I lost my mind? What would I do with an elk if I shot it? Now, church, here's, here's what I need you to think about for a minute. Do we have vision left? Do you have any individual When's the last time you dreamt? When's the last time you did something you had never done before? When's the last time you got out of your comfort zone? When was the last time you looked at a spiritual mountain and said, I want to go to the very top of that and see what I can do for the sake of the gospel? Now, here's how it's done. Look, look what it says. Go back with me to Numbers chapter 14 for just a moment. Numbers 14, verse 24. You know, before we read that, let me, let me ask you this. Before we finish in vision, I, I think it's important we do this. Um, Brother Keir, would you, would you come up here real quick and, and help me for just a minute? Uh, Pastor Robert, would you, would you come stand right here? Uh, Uriah, can I, I get you to stand right, right over here for just a minute? Let's get uh, uh, Ethan, Oliver, why don't you guys come up here? Chris? Johnny, Stuart, why don't, why don't you guys come up here for just a moment? Here's, Stuart, come stand right over here. Fill the gap. There we go. We got enough space. That's it. Now, we're talking about, let's, let's make this practical for a moment. Give me that, that mountain. What are, you, what are you talking about, Pastor? I, I, don't, I don't really know. Here's, here's what life is. Life is investing. A mountain is investing in people. A mountain is it's seeing people saved and seeing them discipled and watching them grow and mentoring them. And here's, here's what we need to do. Some of you have never gotten in, involved in the mountain, involved in investment, involved in people. And this, this is really working with people. This is really discipleship. Somebody say, I don't know if I get 15 lessons through a book. I, I don't know if I could uh, teach in the Bible college. I don't, I don't know if I could uh, work in that ministry here, here's my point. Ethan recently uh, was witness to and came to church and got saved and last week got baptized. And here's, here's the investment we're making. I, I want that mountain, meaning 
I want to look at the bigger picture. Now, here, here's what I'm looking at is I'm investing people. Capital City is my mountain and, and the Institute is my mountain and Vida Abundante is my mountain and I'd like to get some of our men to this point right here. Now, here's, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to kill Ethan or frustrate Ethan and, and say, you know what? I'm going to put you in the kids' ministry. I have you travel around the world and teach people how to, to work with kids and... I want you to be our new song leader and direct the choir and look at his face. He's... <laughs> but here's what I'm going to do with Ethan. I want to get him a little closer to God. I want to teach him how to read his Bible. I want to teach him how to sew. And if I can just get him a little closer today. Yes. And, and, and if I can take Oliver, hey, he's saved, baptized, been growing, learning the book, and reaching out, trying to help us. And if I can get him a little closer to God, a little more spiritual, a little more involved, and uh, you know what? And then if I can get Chris and make sure he's growing a little bit today, not stagnating and uh, doing the will of God and, and reaching people and working in a class and helping in the Spanish church. And if I can get Johnny uh, a couple more. You, you see what I'm doing? I'm not, I'm not trying to make Johnny for the gear and I'm not trying to make Chris pass for Robert, but my mountain is investment in people and Every year, if, if you would have looked at Uriah a couple years ago, he, he was right back there where Ethan is. And if, if you had looked 25 years ago, that was Pastor Robert. You, you didn't know. You didn't know after 20 years, of, and we're talking about a stage at a time, a step at a time, a month at a time, a class at a time, a ministry at a time, a lesson at a time. And Pastor Robert didn't just wake up one day where he's at in ministry and music and sowing and deception. This was not a 10-year process, a 20-year process. This wasn't even a 50-year process. We're nearing a 100-year 100 100-year process. <laughs> If a mountain is saying, I want to get involved in the, the ministry that is people, and instead of saying, unless I'm the pastor, unless I'm the youth leader, and, and, unless I'm in charge of that class, unless I'm the school principal, no, this is about you saying, somewhere in this process, God's going to use me. It's not going to be one person in the life of Ethan, or one ministry in the life of Ethan, but a group effort saying, Today is my day to pick him up. Today is my day to encourage him. Today is my day. A discipleship. Today is my day to help Oliver visit his family, encourage his sisters, witness to his dad. This is my day to invest. Because here's what we get to think of. Amount means that I'm in charge of this ministry and my focus is these two. Oh, no. Mm-mm. My mountain is people. And, and if I can give a day in his life and uh, six months in his life and uh, three months here and a coffee there and, well, maybe I get four years of Bible college here, but most likely I won't in every case. Oh, maybe we get 12 years of Christian education, but maybe we don't. Maybe we get 12 years of Bible education and then four years of Bible college. And 
maybe time is his staff, maybe, but most likely. You know what, I'll get a day here, a week here, a month here. Maybe you only get them when they're in third grade. Maybe you only get them when they're in sixth grade. And after that, maybe you only get a coffee, a moment, a day of soul winning, or a couple visits together. Thank you, you can be seated. The point is, we've got to wrap our minds around, instead of backing up and saying, I don't have an official position, so thus I don't have an official responsibility. No, to the contrary. You need to be saying, give me that amount. Where can I invest? How can I invest? How can I be involved in taking this life and not from here to there, not from A to Z? But what if today I can just take them a little bit farther in his walk with God? What if I can encourage him just a little bit? What, what, what if I can help keep him from falling? What if I can pick him up when he's down? Devin, let's go back to that other picture for just a moment. Now, Here's the problem. In the midst of that, in the midst of that climb, there's a, there's a key here, uh, 1424. I remember the first chapter. I don't want to take the time to, to read it. You know, the people are angry. They don't want to go up. He said, we can, we can make this happen. Verse 30, Caleb still the heart of the people. Chapter 13, chapter 14, the people are weeping. They want to kill uh, Moses. They want to kill Caleb and Joshua. Look what it says, verse 24. My servant Caleb, because he what? You know what it's going to take to get to the top of the mountain? Another spirit. It's going to take a positive spirit. Uh, you, you know, we, we had to get up that mountain. I'm glad I was with David and Nate because most people would have been saying, what are we doing? This is the stupidest idea ever. Who lost their mind and decided to go to the top of this mountain? You know what David was doing? He's running around that mountain saying, guys, if we get up another 100 feet, if we go up another 50 feet, if we run through, we got to a point where we had to go across a little valley there, and it was filled with snow, and literally it's up past our knees, and we're trying to get past the clearing. And so you're running through knee-deep snow with no oxygen. And literally, there are three or four times, we just get to the other side, and I just lay down. I just want air. I just want oxygen. That's all I want. That's it. Just a minute. Just a little oxygen would be great. And one of those 14 bottles of water that Nate's packing. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Thank you, Nate. But here's, here's what it's going to take. You take on a mountain and Satan will attack your spirit. And others will be critical and others will say, I wouldn't invest in people. They're just going to let you down. I, I wouldn't disciple. You're going to get three lessons through and that person's going to quit. I wouldn't get involved in that ministry. It's not worth it anyways. I wouldn't win souls because so many don't even end up sticking in church. Now, here's the problem about these kind of mountains. Just because you have vision and spirit doesn't mean you're reaching the top. You can have the greatest vision in the world, and I want to get up there, and I want to kill the beast, and I want to hike it down, and I'm good with all of that plant, and your spirit about halfway up is going to change. And then the backpack becomes the black hole. How many have a black hole in your house? Keys disappear. Important documents disappear. Socks disappear. We had a backpack that was a black hole. He put six sandwiches in it. We get to the top of the mountain. There's four. Now, Nate was carrying the backpack. 
I don't know if Nate's the black hole or the backpack's the black hole. I'm just thankful that I had eaten one before the rest disappeared. Because David the gazelle said, hey, where are the rest of those sandwiches? I don't know, but you got 13 water bottles. Now, it, it takes more than just a, a, a vision and a great spirit. Look, look what it says about Caleb. How, how did all of this fall together? How did he take this great mountain? Go back with me to Joshua 14. And what we done? Look what it says in verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt. But I did what? What did he say? Now, this is Caleb's testimony. He said, I did holy follow. Now, it wasn't just him because if it just came out of his mouth, he could say, well, he's speaking of himself. But hold on for a second. Then Moses swear on that day. So it wasn't just Caleb saying, I holy follow God. Moses said, because thou hast, last phrase, holy follow the Lord my God. Now, hold on for a second. So it wasn't just Caleb's testimony. It wasn't just Moses' testimony. Look down verse 13. Joshua blessed him. Then at the end of verse 14, what's he say? Because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. We have a quadruple testimony. God said it in his holy word. Caleb said it. Moses said it. And Joshua said it. Here's the man that wholly followed the Lord God. It's called commitment. Church, what if we just said, I'm going to wholly the way you wholly chase money, the way you wholly follow the stock market, the way you're wholly invested in crypto, the way you wholly serve that boss, that company, wholly. Caleb's 85 years old. If you're going to get that mountain, you know what, you know what it's going to take. You're going to be some rough days. You're going to be sick. You're going to be tired. Days you're going to regret doing what you're doing. I don't care if it's a Christian school or soul winning or youth ministry or in, in Spanish ministry. Whatever it is, I have had days. I didn't want to be wholly invested in anything except a break. But you know what I said? I'm going to get up tomorrow with more energy than I have today. With more passion, more commitment than I had today. 85, I want to finish well. I, I was talking to Brother Bauman in his 75 cancer, dealing with what he's dealing. Here's a man who just loves God. We listened to him sing and he, he preached to us and we ate together. And you're just thanking God for the life that God has given him, the way that he's been blessed. But, but here's what he said. We're talking about Lee Robertson and, and Tom Malone and churches and transitions and how so few in that generation managed to transition and he said something that helped me and put things in perspective like I'd never seen before he said Adam I went to Bible college and they taught us how to start ministries and they taught us how to work and they taught us how to invest in people and they taught us how to preach the word and study the book he said, you know what they never taught us? How to quit. He said, I came from a generation that's clueless on how to quit. So 
So they tell us in different terminology that quitting is transition. They tell us to work fewer hours and spend less time and be less committed and delegate responsibilities and pass the torch. But he said, for my generation, that's quitting. He said, we don't know how to quit. You know, we flip side that now to a younger generation. That's all they've ever been taught. If you start to paint an instrument and it's too hard, quit. If, if you start to paint that, that picture and, and you get halfway through it and you don't feel like it, just quit. This generation that doesn't finish anything. Uh, a lot of them don't, don't even finish getting a, a high school degree. Don't, don't finish getting a college degree. Don't, don't, don't finish anything. It's just, if, I, if I stumble into it and I start it, they never start anything with the intention of finishing. And my intention is get involved until I get to the point where I don't like it anymore and I'll just quit. I'll get another job. I'll get another wife. I'll, I'll get another commitment. I'll find another career. I'm just, I was made, fabricated, my generation to quit. Here's, here's why I'm glad I went up that mountain with two guys. Two friends, David and Nate, who are committed. Because, Ernest, I think had I gone up that mountain by myself, I would have said, I bet I see an elk from right here. <laughs> It'd be the stupidest thing I could do to get up to the top. You know why not very many Christians claim mountains? Because they had the vision. And they had the right spirit. But halfway up, they didn't have the commitment to get all the way to the top. Now, David's so crazy. Nate and I came down. I'll, I'll be honest with you, people. I came down. I've been Alaska and Montana and colder days and worse conditions. But I've never, I don't know if it's a combination of age and the, the steepness of that mountain, the altitude. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I've ever had a one-day hike as taxing as that hike was. When we got down the next day, my, my body was saying, I'm hiking again, hiking again. But I wanted straight line hikes, not straight up a hill hike. And David woke up the next morning at 4 o'clock and said, I'm going back to the top of that mountain. And in the dark, he climbed back up. And in the dark... He came back down. Now that's an idiot. <laughs> you say, what did you do that last day, Pastor? I rode hunted. What's road hunt? You get in a vehicle, you roll down the window, you stick your gun out, and you say, hey, elky, 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 elky. <laughs> now, Ernest, here's the survival principle or the Eccles, you know it is, and you're not going to find it here. But it's Bible principle. We went up the mountain when we came down. We came down in the dark. And let's put this in a spiritual perspective. Our mountain is people. We're supposed to be investing in people. Let's, let's just get them. You know what Chris and Amy Green do? They, they take college students, and they, they just see if they can bump them forward. Bump them forward. 
bump it. Let's do, you know, Donald does in that team class, let me just see if I can bump him forward. I'm not, I'm not trying to get them to the finish line. I'm not, I'm not trying to get them to become a pastor. I'm, I just want to bump them forward in their spiritual walk. You know, Oscar does every time he gets with those Spanish kids. You know what Nate does every time he teaches a college class? You know, it's just, if I can move them from here to here, that's what I'm trying to do. Now, here's what I learned. Normally, you go to the top of the mountain, Donald, you get to come, you get to come down in the dark. I say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Uh, we just had Edgar Nancy here. You, you guys saw Edgar there. You didn't see Edgar over here, newly saved, and kid, and getting baptized, and trying to get him faithful in church, and trying to teach him how to sow in. And I, I'm the one that remembers getting him out, teaching him a work ethic, teaching him how to pray, and trying to teach him how to soul win and getting him involved in ministries. I remember the, at, at camp, he surrendered to preach and talked to him about Bible college. And, and then I remember the day Kim and I were going through San Luis and grabbing our graduates. and We're leaving Mexico and they're staying. And Edgar in anger says, you're leaving us, preacher. Why would you invest in me like this and then you just leave Mexico? What you see is six years into a ministry and a church plant and a great family and a love for God. What you didn't see is a pastor that walked the mountain and then had to walk down it in the dark. The, the walk down is not, yeah, thankfully it's not the walk up. But in the dark, you don't get the view, you don't get the pleasure, your body's already exhausted. Miss, Miss Coupe, you know what you can do? You can walk down in the dark. All of those kids that you've invested in over the years, you don't get the accolades. You, you get to work with them when their brain cells are not functioning. <laughs> and then your daughter... Moves, I married a preacher, moves halfway around the world. And your other daughter gets a job in a Christian school in Baltimore. I mean, couldn't any of them you know, find these places to serve in San Antonio or Waco or Dallas? So you said, I want that mountain. God gave you the mountain. And then when you climbed to the top of the mountain, he said, now you get to walk down in the dark. Church, here's what I'm asking you tonight. Do you have any spiritual goals for 2022? Is there any mountain you want? You said, I'm, you know what? Here's my goal in prayer. Here's my goal in investment in people. Here's, here's my goal. And I'm, I'm not going to be the ministry leader, but here's what I want to be. As many people as I can just, and if it's a grandson or a son, if it's another one in the youth group, an employee, if I can just, if, if, even if I get three months, if I can just get him from here to here. That's it. Brother G, those moments you have in Bible college, you're not taking Michael from here to pastoring. You're taking him from here. It's not even from point A to point B. It's from point A almost. <laughs> to be. Maybe someone else takes them to C or D. It doesn't matter. All that matters is 
I'm climbing that mountain and I want to make sure I'm investing in the right thing. Something spiritual. Because now that I'm 50, I get to look back on my life. At a Hector, or an Adam Simpson, or a Stewart, or a Kyle, or a Jonathan, or Raul. And if God gives me another decade, I look back at a Jerry, and a David, and a Joseph. I said, I didn't, I didn't take them all that far, but I was part of the team yes, yes. on the mountain. Yes, yes. The God of where God was wanting to take them. 